When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Kathy with a K. And I'm Kathy with a C. And this is Killer Destinations. Today's destination is Tortola, British Virgin Islands. The British Virgin Islands consist of a chain of 36 islands, of which 20 are uninhabited. Tortola is the largest of the islands and the capital, and it sits approximately 60 miles east of Puerto Rico. It is a popular tourist destination and boasts white sand beaches, luxury resorts, private villas, and camping for those who wish to defray costs but can afford to get themselves there. Tortola is a place rich in history and beauty, but in 1999, one excited traveler did not get the vacation she'd planned. Shelley Tyre met David Swain in the early 1990s. She was a middle school principal at Thayer Academy, which is just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Now, this is a very prestigious private school. It was established in 1877, and a lot of notable people have graduated from there. But just to kind of give you an indication of how prestigious, current tuition for middle school, it's both middle school and high school, but for middle school for the 2021-2022 school year is almost $52,000. For middle school. For middle school. So granted, it's 30 years later than when she started, but however you felt reacting to that right now is what you would have reacted to whatever it was then. I mean, middle school. None of my five kids were worth that. (laughs) (laughs) Not even together. (laughs) The sum total. (laughs) Just kidding, kids. Mama loves you. (laughs) David Swain ran a dive shop in Jamestown, Rhode Island, and was a certified EMT. And he was also a divorced father with a teenage daughter and son. Shelley was very adventurous and loved the outdoors and was known to take part in the annual penguin plunge in Jamestown that was held every New Year's Day. Now, I'm guessing, Kath, this is the same thing as a polar plunge. I'm assuming, too. But whatever the name, this is where you strip down to your bathing suits in the middle of winter and jump into freezing water just because. Uh, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) But good for them. Right, exactly. I think that's probably what keeps my dad alive. He's 85 years old and he goes into his swimming pool every day and he hasn't heated it in years. Although I think in California, it's not really considered a polar plunge. I was just going to say, it's just a cold plunge. (laughs) Yeah, but it's something I wouldn't do in the winter. But yeah, even through the winter, he does that. Your pool is cold in the summer. I, I know. I agree. I agree. David loved the outdoors as well and was especially passionate about the ocean. According to a 48 Hours Mystery episode in June 2011, David's daughter, Jen, has been quoted as saying that he taught her and her brother that the most important thing in the world is to teach and share what you know and be excited about the ocean. Shelly and David dated for a couple years, and during this time, Shelly was essentially the breadwinner because David was reinvesting everything he earned back into the dive shop he ran. 
Now, it sounds like this disparity caused a little wariness from Shelley's parents from the beginning, and they insisted that their daughter sign a prenuptial agreement so that David wouldn't be entitled to any money if they got divorced. Shelley agreed, and before they were married, they signed an agreement that neither would have the right to either party's assets, nor would they be entitled to any alimony should they divorce. Now, Kath, did you, did you see anything that she was married before? I did not. Okay. But she did not have children. Okay. David and Shelley were married in October of 1993 when David was 43 and Shelley was 40. David said that he fell in love with her because, quote, she had a heart bigger than her. She had passions and drive that had no equal, end quote. Fast forward six years to March 1999. Shelley and David were on a Caribbean vacation with two of their friends sailing off the island of Tortola, again, which is about 60 miles east of Puerto Rico. They were staying on a sailboat and would spend their days hanging out with friends, soaking up the sun, and scuba diving off the sailboat. On March 12th, the last day of their vacation, Shelley and David left their friends on the boat and went diving at a site called Twin Tugs. When diving, they typically went their separate ways after swimming around the underwater wreck. David said she liked to stay there for hours and he wanted to go take pictures of the reef. Now, these underwater wrecks, what are they? These two at Twin Tugs, they were both tugboats. So is this something that they would customarily do is look for like Shipwrecks? Yeah. Yeah. In the U.S. Virgin Islands, it's my understanding that in a lot of sites, they will scuttle ships in the water as opposed to pulling them out and dry docking them and then leaving them to be junk or needing to be taken apart for parts or whatever. Because not only does it give an interesting dive site to all of the tourists who are there, but of course, doing that also creates new ecosystems in the water. That is so cool. I would love to do that. But all right, let's go. I'm 100% sure I'd be eaten by a shark. So I'm kind of a chicken. Let's not go. (laughs) I'll watch you. (laughs) We've seen enough Shark Week. We're fine. Dude. We know what to look for. We're fine. No. Yeah. No. uh -uh, (laughs) No. They would look for me and they would eat me up. Forget about it. (laughs) As long as it's not me. Wait, no. Then we can't do the podcast. Never mind. That's right. (laughs) David surfaced alone after about 30 minutes in the water. And when he did, a friend jumped off the boat to begin his dive. It was only a few minutes later that the friend found Shelley's body in 80 feet of water on the ocean floor. Again, there were only four of them on the boat. David sent out a distress call and began performing CPR on his wife. Tortola police questioned David about the dive, trying to figure out every detail of what had happened that day and the local medical examiner performed an autopsy. But no one could figure out just how Shelley died. After a few days, with no evidence of foul play, Tortolan authorities ruled Shelley's death an accident and released the body to David to be taken back to Rhode Island for burial. According to the 48 Hours Mystery episode referenced earlier, entitled... Shelley's last breath, David called his daughter Jen to tell her what had happened. According to Jen, her dad said to her, quote, I'm so sorry. I went with her. I don't know what happened, but Shelley died today, unquote. Jen said he was crying and was very upset and that he was going to do whatever he could to bring her home. 
But once David returned home, the questions began about what had really happened. Jen's story of her dad being very upset and hurt was similar to her brother Jeremy's story, but no one else saw that David was upset about it. In fact, quite the opposite. According to Shelley's father, Richard Tyre, when David called to tell Mr. and Mrs. Tyre that Shelley had died, David said, quote, Shelley is no longer with us, unquote. David also told Mr. and Mrs. Tyre that he hadn't been with Shelley when she died, so he couldn't tell them what had happened. The day after David brought Shelley's body home from Tortola, David went to see Mr. and Mrs. Tyre in person. So this is probably four or five days after this accident had actually happened. Mm-hmm. It took a few days before the Tortolan authorities released the body. Okay. Mr. Tyre was upset that David had left Shelley during the dive because he and Mrs. Tyre thought that divers always swam with buddies. During David's interview with 48 Hours mystery correspondent Troy Roberts, David told him that they swam the course they'd agreed on, and when they got to the shipwreck, David and Shelley went their separate ways. Quote, as we always did. Troy Roberts asked if that went against the standard practice while scuba diving, to which David replied, quote, how many times have you broken the speed limit? Every diver at one time or another is diving alone, end quote. Now, remember, he's the owner of a dive shop. When Roberts further asked David if he told his students, quote, don't ever split up, end quote, David said that he would never say that because it wasn't practical. Instead, he would tell them that it would be good to stay together. David said he tried to help Shelley's parents understand what could have happened, explaining that even something small like a headache could have caused Shelley to lose control underwater and make a mistake. Shelley had apparently panicked during a dive before, and this was something that she had written in her dive log, which, of course, divers are required to keep for all of their dives. David gave this dive log to her parents. But David said it didn't seem to help them understand diving like he thought it would. David basically said that if you're not a diver, you can't understand their culture. The dive log they're referencing is dated 830. I don't know what year necessarily. I simply know it's after 1997 because one of the prior dive logs is 97. It talks about the dive number, the location, the depth to the bottom, the minutes spent on the bottom, and her total cumulative time spent on the bottom talks about visibility, etc. Some of what's written in Shelley's dive logs says, quote, one of the worst dives ever. I was struggling to stay with Jerry. I'd lost Marianne. My light went out and I admit I panicked. I grabbed Jerry because I really didn't want to lose him. And then we were up at the surface. I am not proud of my dive. Right before I grabbed him, as I was struggling to hold position and losing it, I was yelling, I hate this dive, exclamation point. There are a few other comments in here, but they're not relevant, but I'd never seen a dive log. It's really a dive diary, and it's interesting. You're encouraged to talk about temperature, the weight of your equipment, although she appears not to, and much of this, but it's interesting. In addition to Shelley's parents feeling like he wasn't reacting like a man in mourning for his wife, the people in David and Shelley's hometown of Jamestown, Rhode Island, and the faculty and staff at Shelley's school were talking about how well David seemed to be doing without Shelley. Don Badger, who taught 
at Thayer Academy said, quote, this isn't right. You know, he's too elated almost about this. This guy's too happy, end quote. Mr. Badger said David didn't appear to be in mourning, even at the school's memorial service that took place just weeks after Shelley's death. He didn't think that David showed any sadness or even felt the gravity of what had happened. And Mr. Badger said that it bothered him and a lot of other people who had attended the memorial service. People's opinions about David didn't change, and in fact probably got worse, when he inherited more than $600,000 from Shelley's estate. In 2021 dollars, Kath, that's almost a million dollars. Nice. So David started spending a lot of money very visibly, and um, he made expensive renovations to his dive shop, went on vacations, and two months after his wife died, began dating. Some of David's friends and David's former wife, the mother of his two children, Jen and Jeremy, came forward to insist that they knew he was grieving even when it wasn't apparent to anyone else. Well, you know, and it's true. Like, it is hard. Not everybody's going to grieve the same way. Right. But it is sort of, you know... He wasn't helping himself yeah, exactly. with his actions. When, when we conspicuously consume after somebody provides us with an inheritance and we're supposed to be in mourning, it's a little bit like, hmm. Or seem happy at a memorial service. Right. <laughs> Both of those are kind little, of bad. A little unusual. And David's ex-wife, Sandy Wheeler, who at the time had known David for 40 years, they obviously started dating when they were in their teens, said she had no doubt that he did not kill Shelley. Sandy even asked him... And when David told her he hadn't killed her, Sandy believed him. Okay, if she really believed it, why'd she why, ask? Why, why ask? Yeah, yeah, that was weird to me. Yeah. I swear, I swear, I yeah. swear. Okay, look me in the eye. <laughs> exactly. I want to hear the words out of your mouth. <laughs> I want to see your fingers to make sure they're not crossed. <laughs> As the months went on, David was still unable to talk to Mr. and Mrs. Tyre about what had happened and show the emotion or caring that they needed him to which continued to upset them and made them suspicious. David said he knew that they assumed he murdered Shelley. Two years after Shelley's death, Mr. and Mrs. Tyre hired an attorney and sent him and his team of experts to Tortola to find out what had really happened to their daughter. Over the course of several months, this team of experts uncovered evidence they believed proved David was lying, including a broken mask an air valve on her oxygen tank that had been turned off, and one of her fins was found soon after her body was discovered in the sand on the ocean floor. 48 Hours asked a leading expert in underwater investigations to examine the expert's findings. Sergeant Jeff Morgan with the San Bernardino County, California Sheriff's Department offered to sift through the case documents provided by 48 Hours. Sergeant Morgan said that after reviewing all of the facts of the case, he didn't believe that it was just a diving accident. He thought it was murder. I thought it was interesting that the Tortola police allowed, because they're the ones who had the evidence. Right. And I thought it was interesting that they allowed it to be examined. To be honest, I'm also a little surprised that they hadn't already gotten rid of everything. Well, it wasn't that long because it was filed within two years of her death. There were a number of factors that went into these thoughts. Number one, Sergeant Morgan was troubled by the short amount of time David performed CPR on Shelley. When 48 Hours mystery correspondent Troy Roberts had asked David how long he performed CPR on Shelley, David replied, quote, that's the big magic question. 
minutes? Was it five minutes? Was it 10 minutes? Was it four minutes? I don't know. It was minutes. End quote. That's weird. It is weird. And why are you getting flipped? Or, right. You know, with a TV show or an interview that you're supposed to be defending yourself. Right. Yeah. No, that total glib attitude doesn't go well. Doesn't help. Yeah. According to Sergeant Morgan, quote, typically you don't stop CPR until as a rescuer, you can no longer perform it till you're exhausted. I don't think that you can declare a person dead in that short of a time span, end quote. In addition to that, Sergeant Morgan also thought David's distress call was suspect. When David had made that distress call, dive boat captain Keith Royal was the first person to respond. But again, remember David's a trained EMT. When Keith Royal got there, David insisted that no extraordinary measures be taken. Do we have any idea how long it took Keith to get there? Did no. you read anything? I didn't read anything okay. about it. All right, neither did I. Go ahead. So when Keith offered his help, he said that David told him that he was a paramedic and said he'd seen dead bodies before and this woman was dead and continued CPR wasn't needed. Again. Damn. So you know what this reminds me of? What? The Reno episode with Kathy oh, Augustine. Oh, yeah. We're chess. Her... The nurse, nurse, yes, who was doing CPR on a bed, on a bed. You made sure our listeners could save lives by reminding them right. to be on a hard surface, <laughs> and was waiting out at the curb for the paramedics instead of performing CPR on his wife. I know that's crazy. Yep. David's daughter Jen Bloom said that her father's priority was getting Shelley back to shore and protecting her dignity in death. Okay. Wouldn't I you? think if I were Shelley, I would rather have life. <laughs> I, when, I would have rather he tried just a little bit harder. A scotch. In addition to David's questionable actions, when Tortolan police had initially investigated Shelley's death, they had discovered that her scuba equipment was damaged. At the time, it didn't raise any red flags for Tortolan police. That's odd to me, too, though. I, I agree. That's so bizarre. Like, why oh, not? Oh, it's damaged, but I'm sure oh. she's fine. Oh, gee. Oh, well. Yeah. However, Mr. and Mrs. Tyre hired Bill Oliver to take a look. Mr. Oliver was an engineer who designed scuba gear. According to Mr. Oliver, what he saw that caused concern was that the strap on Shelly's mask was broken on the side and had a broken pin. Shelly's snorkel, which was attached to the same side of the mask as the broken pin, was also missing its mouthpiece. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. Quote, my belief is something pulled the mask off from her face and I can see a scenario where she resisted that, Oliver explained. She held onto the mask and in the tug of war, some things gave, unquote. Bill Oliver also found a problem with one of Shelley's fins. Mr. Oliver saw that the heel strap was pulled down over the sole plate of one of the fins. And since divers always have the strap pulled tightly to make sure the fin doesn't come off, it would have taken a lot of force to move it. As a result, Mr. Oliver didn't believe that Shelley could have done that by herself and believes that someone had to be there with her in order to have this happen to her fin. Sergeant Morgan, the San Bernardino County Sheriff's deputy hired by 48 Hours to review the case, said that David Swain was the only person who could have been responsible because no one else was in the water with them. Sergeant Morgan told 48 Hours Mystery, quote, I think that David swam up behind her and shut off the air supply, reached up and grabbed the mask, ripped it from her face, and held onto her until she stopped struggling. Shelley, if she did panic in this situation, 
panicked after her air supply was shut off. And again, the only person that could have possibly shut it off was David. End quote. If she panicked? I know. David maintained that he didn't kill Shelley, but Shelley's parents believed that David had a motive. Right before the trip to Tortola, Shelley had decided to change jobs and take a substantial cut in pay. Remember, David was investing any money he made from the dive shop back into the business. So without the extra money they got from Shelley's job at Thayer Academy, David's shop could very well have gone out of business. According to Sergeant Morgan, that, along with the couple's prenup agreement, meant Shelley was worth more to David dead than alive. Dang. I know. Cold, man. For him, that provided a motive for David to commit murder. Kath, why are so many dogs now suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, said she's seeing more issues with joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is actually the way many dog foods are made can create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many of the premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. And Kath, as you know, we have a schnauzer named Ollie. And even though my husband insists he is not, he is overly flatulent. (laughs) (laughs) After I started giving him this food, I swear there was a reduction in his smell. I love that. And I'll come over to your house now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, and you know, we have a Vishla we call Orange and she's a senior dog. And over the last couple of weeks, she has actually had more energy to be running around the backyard with the younger dog, the Doberman we call Brown. Or crazy. A little bit. (laughs) So if you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com slash killer D and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S F-O-O-D dot com slash killer D. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
After Sergeant Morgan and Engineer Bill Oliver's investigations, Mr. and Mrs. Tyre were convinced David murdered their daughter. Authorities in Tortola had ruled Shelley's death accidental, quote, unless proven otherwise, end quote. So in 2002, just a few weeks before the statute of limitations would have expired, Mr. and Mrs. Tyre filed a wrongful death lawsuit against David. Do you remember who else did this? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson. Oh, in the OJ, in the OJ Exactly. Oh. They did a wrongful death lawsuit. And they won a lot of money. Yeah, it was over $30 million. I can't remember what it was. And, and I believe they got nothing. I don't know that. They might have gotten a little something, but I do remember that he moved to Florida because his biggest asset at that time was his NFL pension. And in the state of Florida, at least at that time, that was excluded from what could be used to pay off a civil judgment. Very interesting. Because it was a retirement account. Mm -hmm. After a trial held in February 2006, where David Swain represented himself. Which means he probably spent all the money because. You oh, he would have had money for a defense attorney. Yeah. I mean, doesn't make sense to me. Representing yourself is not a good idea. What but is go it? Ahead. The, the person who represents themselves has a fool for a client. Exactly. <laughs> A civil jury in Providence, Rhode Island, returned a verdict in fewer than three hours in favor of Shelley's parents, finding that David, quote, intentionally killed Shelley with malice aforethought, end quote. According to the Boston Globe, the chief medical examiner of Miami-Dade County, Florida, had testified that Shelley's death was an act of homicidal drowning. Mr. and Mrs. Tyre were awarded compensatory damages of just over $2.8 million, as well as punitive damages of $2 million, bringing the total award to just over $4.8 million. Outside of the court, after the jury found David Swain responsible for Shelley's death, Mr. Tyre said, quote, Money has nothing to do with it. Nothing. We just want Shelley. End quote. David Swain filed for bankruptcy and appealed the verdict. By the way, just side note, doing a wrongful death civil suit is a significantly easier burden of proof. You know, I mean, it's it's by a preponderance of the evidence in California, which is essentially 50 plus percent. So, you As know, opposed to beyond a reasonable doubt. Exactly. After the decision by the civil court, Tortolan authorities said they were going to take another look at the case. According to Terrence Williams, the director of public prosecution for the British Virgin Islands Attorney General, Shelley Tyre's case was never officially closed. After a new investigation, Tortolan prosecutors charged David for the murder of his wife, Shelley, and at the request of the authorities, he was arrested in Rhode Island on November 14, 2007, and held at a federal detention facility until being extradited back to Tortola. The legal system in the British Virgin Islands is different than the U.S. system, no surprise, and trials there are decided by a nine-person jury, and under local law, they have only four hours to decide a verdict. Dang. I know. It's like, hustle, hustle, you well, got, you know, snap, US, snap. In the U.S., that's, in, that's like, that's a quick time limit when you say... Four hours, like forcing... That's nothing. For a murder trial. Right. Yeah. No. I don't anyway. want to be arrested there, just so you know. Exactly. <laughs> And you only have to have seven out of the nine to convict or acquit. So they don't require a unanimous verdict correct. like the U.S. does. Exactly. So David Swain was facing a maximum sentence of life in prison. Unlike his civil trial where he represented himself, 
For his criminal trial, he was represented by two experienced Boston criminal defense attorneys, Neil Tassel and Tim Bradle. As David's trial approached, his attorneys had hoped to use David's past traumas to explain how his bizarre response to Shelley's drowning turned an accident into an accusation of murder. One of David's defense attorneys, Tim Bradle, had said that because of all of the trauma that David had experienced growing up, that he is emotionally stunted. He said this was misperceived by Shelley's parents, who basically started this whole thing going based off a, a misassumption on their parts. Sandy Wheeler, David Swain's ex-wife, and Jen Bloom, who was David and Sandy's daughter, divulged to 48 Hours Mystery some of the trauma the defense attorneys wanted to use to explain David's response to Shelley's death. Jen explained that her dad had grown up in a household that included verbal and sexual abuse. When David was nine years old, his father, Donald Swain, was convicted of sexually abusing another family member and sentenced to two years in prison. David had told 48 Hours that he too was preyed upon by his father, but other than calling what his father did, quote, horrible things, David refused to give any details. If I were molested, I wouldn't either. Even if you saw it or experienced it or knew somebody who had, I'm not sure I would have shared that as well. Right. Sandy Wheeler, who began dating David when he was 15, said his abusive childhood was just one of the traumas that he had faced growing up. In the early 70s, David's father had begun living as a woman and changed his name to Diane. Back in the 70s, right. that was almost unheard of. Totally unheard of. And in 1976, David's mother, Betty, was bludgeoned to death by David's younger brother, Richard, who was 18 at the time. Oh, my gosh. Now, David, who was 20 years old at the time, was also the one who found his mother's body in the family station wagon, five miles away from their home. What a nightmare. But when asked about it, David explained what happened by saying, quote, as best as it could be reconstructed, they had an argument and it went bad, end quote. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's not the best it could have been explained. <laughs> I think he's the master of understatement. I mean, holy cow. A master of understatement. <laughs> True. And here's the deal. I have no problem believing that trauma affects people and you could be emotionally stunted from it, but it doesn't mean that you don't know how to behave appropriately after your wife dies. Right. David's brother, Richard Swain, had a history of run-ins with the law, and former Minneapolis assistant district attorney Jim Erickson remembered Betty Swain's murder for its brutality. Jim Erickson said, quote, Dads kill mothers. We know that. Ex-boyfriends kill mothers. Sons don't kill mothers. I think a garbage bag was put on her head, and she was then hit again and again. There was plastic embedded deep in her skull, end quote. After a nine-day trial, a jury found Richard Swain guilty. Now, this is crazy, but, you know, if, if these kids were as seriously abused as... Uh, we're you being know, led to believe. Correct. I mean, like, maybe they felt the mom was complicit. Who knows? And he had this unchecked rage. Who knows? I, I didn't read a lot about that. 33 years later, David Swain, just like his brother, stood accused of murder. After two years in a Tortolan jail cell, trial began in October 2009 with a jury of seven women and two men. Shelley Tyer's elderly parents were there, determined to see justice done. 
I think they were in their 80s at that point. I know. You go, parents. I know. Seriously. Terrence Williams was the attorney on behalf of the attorney general's office prosecuting the case. And he knew the case was circumstantial. They had accused David Swain of killing his wife so he could save his floundering dive shop with the inheritance he'd received from his wife's death. They showed the jury Shelley's damaged diving gear, told them how David had stopped giving her CPR, and presented their theory that David held her down and turned off her air. The judge also allowed the prosecution to present evidence that Shelley died eight minutes into the dive when they say David was still with her. According to an Associated Press article in the Boston Globe, British Virgin Island prosecutors presented experts who testified that they believed David had wrestled his wife from behind, tore off her scuba mask, and shut off her air supply. One thing I read, Kath, is that the evidence about her dying eight minutes into the dive was done based on the calculation of how much air was left in her tank. So they knew that her tank was full when she started off on her dive. And when they got her and pulled her back off to the surface, the amount of air left was calculated as having been eight minutes worth of air that she had consumed. So I wonder if it was the investigators hired by the um, U.S. attorney who found that out? Like, in other words, did the Tortolan authorities still have her tank with the correct air pressure? Or? And wouldn't you think that oxygen would have gone down just because of time? Yeah. Like, it, it must have been noted somewhere. That it must is, have been. Or, yeah. you know, perhaps in the autopsy report that we didn't get to look at. Right. The prosecution also said that David wanted Shelley dead so he could pursue a romance with a Rhode Island chiropractor named Mary Basler. The wife dies in March... And by May, they're having intimacy, said the prosecutor. According to the 48 Hours Mystery episode that we've referenced several times, about a year before Shelley's death in 1998, Swain got very friendly with Mary, who he met when she visited his dive shop. Swain said that Mary Bassler, quote, came along a bright, happy woman willing to talk, end quote. But when he kissed her one summer night... She told him that she was not willing to get involved with a married man. David wrote a note to Mary in fall 1998, inviting her to spend the weekend with him in Killington, Vermont. The letter said, quote, I promise to return you in a rejuvenated state or in need of rest, whichever strikes our fancy, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't do that again. Troy Roberts, the correspondent for 48 Hours Mystery, asked David that if he invited Mary to Killington for the weekend, wasn't he trying to start something with her? David said no. To him, it was just going to be a friendly weekend in Killington and accused Troy Roberts of making it sound like a guy couldn't have female friends. But Troy Roberts also got David to admit that he hadn't told Shelley about his planned weekend getaway with Mary. Yeah, I have a feeling if my husband was going on a weekend with a friend... No, really, I wouldn't want to shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, having done this for, what, 12 episodes now, we could come up with much more creative and painful ways to do it. That is true. (laughs) Mary Bassler didn't go to Killington, but soon David wrote to her again telling her, quote, I'm wanting to be with you, but I can't change this mess I've got anytime soon, end quote. Interestingly... This letter was addressed to soulmate Mary. According to both David and Mary Bassler, nothing happened between them other than that first kiss. 
That is, until Shelley Tyre died. Two months after the fatal trip to Tortola, in May of 1999, David Swain and Mary Bassler started a relationship. Swain's defense team also included a local attorney named Hayden St. Clair Douglas. I love his name. I know. I could totally smell the starch already. <laughs> and he's wearing a bow tie, isn't he? Exactly. In my mind, he is, but he's he's a proper English gentleman. And he probably has Argyle socks on. Ooh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hayden St. Clair Douglas. Anyway, Mr. Douglas felt that David's only chance was to take the stand to defend himself. But the defense's worry, of course, was David himself. What would happen when this emotionally crippled man took the stand to defend himself in court? What David and his family told 48 Hours is that, in truth, he dearly loved Shelley, not Mary, and was incapable of murder. Everyone's capable of murder. Probably, given the right set of circumstances. Exactly. Like my husband going off with some woman. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) To prove it, the defense wanted the jury to hear from a psychologist who treated David after Shelley's death. But the judge refused to allow the psychologist's testimony. And in what seemed a fatal blow to the defense, the judge also refused to allow testimony from an expert about how long Shelley was actually alive underwater. Now, this is weird, though, Kathy, because they allowed the prosecution to introduce evidence that they believed it was eight minutes. So why wouldn't they allow the defense to introduce their own expert? Because it's happening in Tortola. (laughs) We just don't know. That's true. We just or like, what their laws are or how much leeway the judge correct, has. Correct. Correct. But I mean, the presumption when an expert witness can't testify is that somehow what they're going to say is unreliable. That makes sense. Defense attorney Bradle said that they had data on Shelley's air consumption that was obtained from her own dive logs. As a result, a defense expert was prepared to testify that Shelley's last breath occurred more than 20 minutes into the dive long after David says he left her side. Unfortunately, said Bradle, the judge viewed our data with suspicion and I don't know why. When David Swain took the stand, his defense attorneys questioned him first. Question, did you kill Shelley Tyre? Answer, I did not, could not, would not dream of taking the rock of my life out of the world. No, I did not. Question. I could not, would not, did not. I know. (laughs) Thinking Dr. Seuss? Would you, could you with a mouse? (laughs) Would you, could you in a house? (laughs) Question. Did you in any way deprive Shelly Tire of air? Answer. The last thing in the world I would do is deprive Shelly of anything, so I certainly don't want to deprive her of air. Then the prosecutor tried to unsettle David. Question. You held her down. Answer. I did not. Question and made her become unconscious? Answer, I did not. During this cross-examination, it was apparent that David Swain had indeed become rattled when the prosecutor pushed him about those letters he wrote to Mary Basler, calling her his soulmate and inviting her to spend the weekend. Question, you desired her? Answer, I certainly desired her friendship. Question, you desired her in a sexual nature? Answer, not the way you're suggesting, no. Okay, I'm sorry, but what other kind of way is there to desire somebody in a sexual nature if it's not, I don't know, sexual? I have no idea. Question, do you often write love letters to ladies? Answer, no. These are not love letters. Question, these are not love letters? Answer, 
This is not a love letter. In Troy Roberts' interview with David, Troy told David that he came off as arrogant, a little hostile, and smug. Roberts said that this was his chance to try and gain sympathy from the jury, especially with seven of the nine jurors being women, and asked what David was thinking when he was answering the way he was. So when he said that, David responded by saying, how well do you know me? Roberts admitted he didn't know him at all, but but he also knew that you're supposed to present yourself in a certain way if your life is on the line. David's response was, quote, so you would want me to be something I'm not. I am what I am. I think people want the truth, end quote. Okay, so we've got Dr. Seuss. Who's that, Kath? I am what I am what I am. Is that Popeye? It's Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man of many talents. I used to actually like spinach partly because of Popeye. Oh, you're so funny. I know. Yeah. Can, canned spinach. Oh. That's what we had as kids. <laughs> my mom was so into canned Everything stuff. was in a can. Oh, my God. Canned asparagus. Like, oh, I, my God. I know. I did not like asparagus until I was an adult when like I realized fresh asparagus? What, what real asparagus tasted like. Wow. Yeah. That nice salty canned asparagus. <laughs> Stewing in its old juices. <laughs> I don't think my parents ever tried to feed us that. Defense attorneys had argued that Shelley could have ripped off her own mask in a panic. Bradel argued that it says in the Professional Association of Diving Instructors Beginner's Manual that panic divers reject their gear, which means they rip their face masks off. And when asked if they believe Shelley panicked underwater, the defense team said, yeah, that's what the evidence appears to show. Tassel and Bradel also maintained that the poorly done autopsy report couldn't rule out medical reasons for Shelley Tyre's death, including the possibility that she suffered a heart attack or stroke during what they said was a purely accidental drowning. Honestly, that's what bothered me most about this case. Um, Which part? Just, just the fact that, you know, what if something, what if there was a medical episode underwater? There I mean, I don't been. know. Right. But, but uh, two things. Number one, the, the fin does not sit right with me. And the air tank was turned off. Correct. And the funny thing is they couldn't even use her own dive logs to substantiate their theory that she tore her mask off. Because even when she was in a stone cold panic, from what I read previously, she didn't tear any equipment off. Right. Before the case went to the jury, Supreme Court Justice Indra Charles, who was presiding over the trial, gave the jurors a three-hour summation of the case and... Despite the requirement that only seven of the nine jurors had to agree on a verdict, she urged the seven women and two men to issue a unanimous verdict. And they did. On October 27th, 2009, the jury convicted David Swain of murder for the drowning death of his wife, Shelley Tyre. Although David did not react as the verdict was read, Shelley Tyre's parents gasped when they heard. After receiving permission from the judge, her dad went to the witness box and said, We're old, we're in our 80s, and when Shelley was killed, our life pretty much ended. And then he and his wife left the courtroom. That's sad. I know, I know. But, I mean, God love the fact that they stuck through it the whole time. Absolutely. On November 10, 2009, Justice Charles sentenced David Swain to a life sentence for killing his wife, of which... He must serve at least 25 years. She said, quote, 
it is my view that this murder was carefully planned and premeditated and calls for a stiff punishment, unquote, as she denied a defense request that David Swain be eligible for parole in 18 years. David Swain, now 53 years old, was sentenced to Her Majesty's Prison at Balsam Goot on Tortola. Mr. and Mrs. Tyre say now that they know the truth, their long journey to get justice for Shelley has ended. Quote, we feel extremely good that people like David Swain won't be able to hurt any more women, unquote. On September 29th, 2011, three judges with the Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court of Appeal reported that they found unacceptable the instructions that had been read to the jury by the judge in David Swain's 2009 murder trial. The three justice panel heard Swain's appeal and accepted the defense attorney's argument that when Judge Charles had done the summation, she had basically taken out the possibility that there could have been an accident and told the jury that it had no place as part of the consideration for the trial. The three appellate justices agreed with the defendant's argument on appeal, but also declined to order a new trial. David Swain was a free man. The justices had cited the amount of time that David had spent in prison, which I actually found odd because in 2011, it had only been four years, the two years leading up to the trial and then the two years afterwards. Not a lot of time for murder. Not a lot of time. But the justices also cited in their decision not to order a new trial, the defense attorney's arguments that it would have been difficult to recall defense witnesses given the amount of time that had passed since Shelley Tyre's death, which at this point was 12 years. I hope he bought lottery tickets that day because that was the luckiest thing that could have ever happened to that guy. No kidding. Four years is time served for a 25 years to life murder sentence. I know. David Swain continues to maintain his wife died as a result of the accident. If you liked us, and only if you liked us, <laughs> please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please follow us on social media. We're at Killer Destinations Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.